Coming up, he's been the voice of several shows since arriving in WWE three years ago, but now he finds his home on Wednesday nights. The new voice of NXT, Vic Joseph, joins us as ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and I am excited for today. I'm very excited about my guest. He's a good friend of mine. He's one of my travel compadres. Spent countless hours on the road. Maybe the best wheelman I've ever encountered in the business. Uh, And I'm excited for the WWE Universe and the ATB faithful here to learn a little bit more about my close friend and the man who anchors the table on Wednesday nights now on the USA Network as the voice of NXT, he is Vic Joseph. This feels so weird having a conversation with you in any sort of formal format to where I'm, I have to actually interview you. And meanwhile, it's just random nonsense that is our lives. Uh, so where shall we begin, Vic? Well, I'll begin where you want to begin. All right. Well, the way I have this uh, mentally noted in my head, of which I have three notes, uh, and it's all for <laughs> chronology purposes, Let's start right. at the very beginning. People now, have, by this point in your career, have seen you as part of Monday Night Raw. Now you have taken over the desk on Wednesday nights as part of NXT. But you had a long, interesting, arduous journey prior to WWE. We always talk about the athletes' accolades, all of our talent, all the superstars, and where they've been and what they've done prior to arriving in WWE. We don't have a lot of announcers that have tremendous backstories. I mean, we, we always talk to Cole about what an interesting career he had covering actual war and and serious journalism stuff. Uh, But you had quite a sports background before WWE. Yeah. um, You know, we've talked about it a lot because you're a huge baseball guy. Right. And not so much myself, but uh, being with the Cincinnati Reds, with the affiliates, with the, with the Reds covering baseball. um, I've done a world series for the Cleveland Indians, NBA finals for the Cavaliers. I've interviewed Kobe Bryant, which a lot of people don't know. I've interviewed LeBron James also interviewed idiots like Johnny Manziel, you know, during my time <laughs> in the NFL. So there's a lot of things that I did before here. I had my own um, CBS radio talk show in Cleveland, um, done digital. The interviews are cool. Like even authors like Eli Gold, that probably a lot of people won't know the name, but you might know the voice like a Dick Enberg. You might know the voice. So there's a lot of those things that I did. And what was interesting to me is a lot of people, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I think the internet community looks at a lot of the announcers here, not so much yourself or like a Beth Phoenix or even a Wade Barrett. They see some of the announcers that then go on to do other things. And it's almost like WWE is their springboard. Right. For me, that was my springboard to get here. You know, so it was kind of um, a, a reverse role. And I had a great career outside of WWE, but all that was to get here to talk to you. Well, not specifically, to talk to me specifically. To talk to you, oh, yes. Okay. Specifically, 100%. <laughs> uh, so, so obviously, while you're doing all these different things outside around the sports world, your passion, your lifelong passion has always been WWE and the wrestling business as a whole. T- tell me about how that came to be. It's odd because, to your point, I don't think a lot of the people that watch Raw or 205 Live or Mixed Match Challenge or NXT – they just look at me and see, oh, it's another announcer. If you look up internet, you can see what I have done as we just talked about. But man, since I was four or five years old, my cousin Jason and my uncle would put these VHS tapes. Yes, VHS tapes. Oh, yes. And, and it was like 
Survivor Series 89, SummerSlam 90, you know, and I just was enthralled with Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. And that was my escape really for my mom because I'd have my little Hasbros and she'd go, oh, I hear you going (laughs) with your baby dolls and like they're action figures. And so, man, ever since I was a kid, just wanting to be Hulk Hogan and I used to step into a plastic garbage bags and rip them open like he was, and <laughs> you know? So, I mean, just a, a lifelong fan. And from the earliest, earliest days of my childhood, that's just the one thing that it was that even before like sports, it was wrestling. And it was because of my uncle, my cousin, my dad taking me to my first show. I, I mean, it was, that's like one of my earliest memories of how much I love, I love this in general. It's funny when you mentioned going and, and running VHS tapes, uh, that was, it seems prehistoric now because everything is on demand. Everything's digital. You can stream anything you want at any given time. But I, I remember too, as a kid going to like a local mom and pop video yeah. store back yeah. when they had video stores and there was like the special interest section and you would go there and there'd be like random, you know, like what are equivalent of fail videos now and sports bloopers. And then there'd be like WrestleMania. I had a wrestling challenge. Do you remember those? Oh yeah. Yeah. Wrestling yeah. challenge 91. And, and I used to go to video 21 on route 21. And that was like the greatest thing every other Saturday when my dad would pick me up to run in there and pick two VHS tapes out. And just, you just watch them the over and over for the weekend. Yeah. Over and over. Like I've never <laughs> seen them before. So how did you break into the wrestling business? We talk all the time about all the mutual acquaintances we have. Uh, I mean, downright friends, similar friends. But you and I never crossed paths on the independence. Yet no. I was a Pittsburgh guy, but I spent a ton of time wrestling in Cleveland. And we have so many mutual friends. How did you get your foot in the door? I was doing stuff with an affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds at the time. So I was just getting my footing in baseball and was really starting to, maybe that's going to be my career path. And I just happened to turn on the TV one day and PWO was on sports time, Ohio. Okay. And that's like the, that was foundation the Indians of, channel, right? The, 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 yeah, was on the same yeah. network as the Cleveland Indians. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like the starting foundations of NXT superstar, Johnny Gargano. You know, that's right. where his, and I remember sending an email to the promoter at the time that was in charge of it, that when you went to their really bad website, it was contact for advertising and things like that. So I sent him an email, told him who I was, told him what I was currently doing. And I think the kicker was, I'll do it for free. How many times have we ever heard that <laughs> in this industry? Uh-huh. Yeah, I just want to, I just want to come in and do it. And this is a fact. And I've never said this before. It was Johnny Gargano who said, man, we got to bring him in. This is someone with real credentials that if he's not good, who cares? At least this small independent on TV, it's someone who's affiliated in baseball. Like that's, yeah, that's cool. And if Johnny Gargano wouldn't have said that to um, the promoter, I don't think I ever would have continued on. So going to that was the first show. It was in December, December of 2009 is when I went to that show. And, that was and all this was just a shot in the dark, ever. just, just off of an yeah. email. Really off of an email and Wally was his name, brought it up to uh, an independent worker named Gregory Iron, who you and I both know. Right. And Johnny and Johnny said, bring them like, this is great. What was the next step? Because on the independence, I mean, anybody that that listens to this probably follows them or has some idea how they work. It's on you. You got to get your name out there. You got to do whatever you can to kind of take that next step. Once you started getting your feet wet, calling Ohio independence, what was the next step for you? 
So, so after that, they're actually to take this into a, a different route for a moment. I got into a car accident, which I've never talked about this publicly either. And I went from the back seat through the front seat and had to go to speech therapy, really learn how to talk. Uh, there's really? a scar on my face that no one ever sees. I don't really can zoom in right now. If you've ever noticed it, my knee from top to bottom, my knee was completely out. Um, like it was, I was I on the side of the that. road. Yeah. I was on the side of the road, white sheet over me. That's how bad it was. I'm not joking either. I'm being dead serious. And I moved and I remember them screaming, oh, he, he's alive. And they ran, got me, put me on the gurney, cut my shirt off. And I made a joke, like an offhanded Ohio State, Michigan joke. So they was wearing a Michigan shirt. And next thing I know, well, I'll send you some pictures, man. So you know, I'm not joking. I woke up, neck brace on and just they're pulling glass. I mean, it was, there's still a piece of glass. I don't know if you can really see it, but right, there's a scar on my face. There's still a piece of glass in there. So anyways, I had to go to speech therapy to relearn how to talk. Holy cow. And this is blowing right my mind. I am. I, yeah. As many hours as we've spent in the car together, I never knew this story. Continue. I, I, don't, mean, I don't mean to interrupt. I'm just like, yeah, whoa. So I'll send you the photos and you'll be like, wow, dude, I didn't. But anyways, I didn't know what a shopping bag was. I knew what it was, but I couldn't tell you what it was. And wow. that's what was really frustrating to me at the time. And this is why you're doing sports announcing? You're, you're, act, you're actively in this... I, I stopped. Like I sent a demo reel to an NFL team to do play by play and it didn't work out. And when I went to CBS, finally, they didn't hire me. And then I finally came back for another round once I was better. And they said, well, what really happened? And I told them I couldn't, I couldn't talk. I couldn't formulate a sentence. I couldn't tell you what team was where or who you were. I, I knew that was someone to me. I didn't know it was my dad. Like that's how my, that's how messed up my wow. brain was. So Fast forward through all that, I recover and Ben Boone, I don't know yeah, if you know that name, Big Bear, ben Boone, yeah. Big Bear, yeah. Come to the independent show with me. Just I gotta get out, gotta get you out of the house. And there I meet former WWE superstar Rhino. Okay. And uh, he and I are closer than probably most people care to know. Um, you know, he's he's family to me. And he said, start jumping in the car with me on your on your on your off weekends. Cause I wasn't doing anything right now because of my body and that right. car accident. So every weekend, man, I was in the car with him. I drove him from city to city. And I think people thought, oh, it's just, you know, the veteran trying to get someone young to drive them around to do their bidding. He let me pick his brain for hours in a car. And he introduced me to person A and person B and person C. I'm going to stop you. Just I'm going to stop you for a second. Just just to, to point out how it's an old adage in the business that you learn the business in the car. Yeah. You learn the moves in the ring, but you learn how everything operates in the rides from city to city. And I, and I, I hate to say the old, the old timers, but the, the previous generations before us swear by that. And Michael Cole has told that, that tale. He learned the business from spending countless hours driving APA, JBL and Ron Simmons and Godfather. And it, that was his job. He was the wheel man and he picked their brains to your point. And it's truly invaluable. There's nothing you can learn from a textbook or watching a video or just having a, a casual conversation, like being in the, the ring with somebody, especially someone like a rhino who's been around the business as long as he has. Yeah. And he would tell me things like, you're going to get in the locker room today. You don't say a word. I want you to sit there and listen, just listen. And I would get back in the car and go, well, why did this person say this and this person do this? And well, when they got out there, they didn't do it. And he would tell me what was right, what was wrong, how to go about things politically correct, quote unquote. And how not to step on somebody and show respect. Because at the end of the day, this industry to me is about respect. You know, I'll, yes. I'll sit ringside at TVs at SmackDown 
And if somebody comes over that's looking for a seat, I get up and here, here it is. Doesn't matter who it is. Right. You know, even you and Cole, if I'm going back to catering, hey guys, need a water? Something as simple as that goes so right. such a I, long way. I completely agree. And it's appreciated. And I feel like lots of times it's, I don't want to say it's lost, but it seems to be fading at times. But it's definitely something that as generations passed, there's stuff that, that I get away with now that 20 years ago, I would have gotten beat up for, you know, across the board. It's just, it's the way the business has changed. But uh, I didn't mean to get you sidetracked there. Continue with your, your, your tales of Terry the Rhino. This really started in the car trips with me and Rhino when he told me that you have to have a clean car because your car is your home. Well, one time I'm driving along and drop him off and I get home and oh, it's that smell. Next day, and this is the middle of summer. Man, three days go by. I like can't open the door. He left a half-eaten piece of boiled tilapia (laughs) (laughs) under his seat. And I found it and I called him. I said, what the heck, dude? He goes, shouldn't have taken you five days to find it. You should have cleaned your car out as soon as you get. So after that, I checked every nook and cranny of that car, no matter what we had. So that was a life lesson for the car, which is why I always have a garbage bag up front when you and I would drive to put the garbage in every stop. Well, I, I can't wait to dive into the, the, the genesis of our bond, but, but, uh, still but anyways, back. so <laughs> back to your path of, of how you got here. So uh, I, I ended up meeting Tommy Dreamer and he had a promotion that he was running. And the day his promotion was to start, we were at his house and he looked at me and he said, do you want to call the show? Yeah. And that really is what started me on the path to the WWE because Tommy would, you can't, you know, you did it wrong. You know, what's the show arc? What's the meaning of the first match to the main event? You know, watch the words you want to use. Don't use this word. Use it this way. And he was really breaking things down. So I believe he knew that I had enough talent to get to, to hear just based on passion. Right. And he wanted to make sure that I was prepared so that when I walked in the door, I was ready to go. It wasn't like, well, sit him off for eight months to a year. It was when he gets there, dude, you, you got to be ready because your number can get called at any moment. Right. right, wrong, or indifferent. And that, that, those were the two guys, Rhino and Tommy Dreamer, that really, man, molded me into the work ethic I have here in this industry. But to your point, too, being on the road with those guys and driving Philly to New York to Baltimore, back to Cleveland to get three hours of sleep to do a Browns game, and then to go on Monday to do a radio show to get ready to do it all the next weekend was invaluable to me. You can't put a price tag on it and really was the foundation for me in sports entertainment. It's pretty well documented how, how close you are with Johnny Gargano. Who else uh, in our world were, were some of your, your pals along the way? That are here or just in general? All, all of the above. Johnny, definitely one of my closest friends. Uh, Gregory uh, Iron, another one who I, I talked to. Uh, Ricky Shane Page is another guy that's that's on the Indies. In terms of guys that were here, I knew him way back when he wore a mask. And oh, yeah, when he, was he teaming with Vince Faith and Christian Nothing? Faith, yes, yeah, with Vince yeah. Nothing. Yep. You know, a lot of those guys along the way. Abyss, you know, okay. Joseph Parks. However, you want to use. It. I mean, we forgot the other day we ran into each other. And how long have we known each other? Two years. I'm like, oh no. He's like that dude we met in like 2013. I'm like, it's been that long. Yeah. You put up with me for that many years because <laughs> you forget how it goes on. A, a lot of people might not know uh, me and him and I have worked together for a long time. Cedric Alexander and I have worked for a long time. 
Bobby Roode, Robert Roode, you know, he and I have worked for a long time together. So that there's probably the core people from the uh, Ruby Riot was another one that I've known for a long time. So just a, a good core of people, man, that I'm so happy got to NXT or Raw or SmackDown, you know, under the WWE umbrella. So you finally get the call to come for a tryout to NXT. Walk me through this process for you. So I actually had been emailing Michael Cole probably every three months for two years. I don't even think he probably hasn't told anybody that. And it was just trying to stay fresh in your mind if something opens up, because that's another thing that I was taught. If you don't keep reaching out, you're going to be forgotten about. It's not that they don't want to reach back out to you. It's just, dude, there's so many things going on every given day in this company that they just forget. They lose track. Exactly. So in between doing NBA and radio shows and the NFL and college football and, and bowl games, with the seasons change, an email got sent out. And I was in Chicago, July 2016 at Guns N' Roses at Soldier Field when I got a message from Tom Phillips. And he said, call me Monday. And Tom, is, Tom worked on July 4th, to credit to Tom, that you know, because he's always in the office, he's always working in emails and texts. And he calls me and we have a conversation and he goes, well, we want to bring you in for a tryout. Awesome. So I fly to Orlando. It was the Cruiserweight Classic weekend. And ironically, it was also Johnny Gargano's wedding weekend. So Johnny was there working, having to fly out to Los Angeles. I had to do the tryout, fly to Los Angeles for the wedding. And then I had to fly to Philly for an indie date and then jump in a car after the Philly indie date and drive to Cleveland to do a Browns game on that Sunday. Wow. So it was like, it was a big weekend for me. And I remember the tryout. It was, uh, it was cool. I mean, I walked in the performance center and was just absolutely blown away. By it and Tom was great. Greg Hamilton was there. Um, actually, was the color at first color person I ever worked with, coloring me as the lead, him as the analyst. Greg was Greg the Hamilton? analyst for my matches. Yes, really. Yes. How about that? that? Look at I this. Uh, Look at this. This is a learning experience for me. <laughs> so Ham was there as the the color analyst and got through it. Did the ring announcing. Went to the show. Got back in a car. Uh, I think I talked to Cole and heard. Yeah, we'll call you. And I went ah. Oh. <laughs> all right here we go so then you see like uh, i think kayla got signed in october and then october turned to november and then december rolls around and my phone rings and if anyone knows me well enough i don't answer the phone yes i, I just I said, verify <laughs> i just said precedence that i'm never going to answer on the first ring because then you are going to get used to me answering on the first ring so i'm always going to call you back <laughs> and I, I looked down on my phone and i go michael cole called me three times <laughs> and I checked it, call me back. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, Oh no. So I call him and he's on the treadmill and he's running and he goes, why didn't you, I can't actually say what he said to me, but why didn't you answer the phone? <laughs> and I said, I'm so sorry, Mr. Cole. I'm so sorry. He goes, well, this isn't going to be romantic. Do you want to come here and work? I said, yep. He goes, great. Your information's in the mail. I'm hung up, <laughs> hung up the phone. <laughs> And so then I just waited for this paperwork to come in, which took two weeks. It came. I read it. I signed it. I said I couldn't start till after the Browns season. And the final Browns game was against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They lost. They were 0-16. I took my headset off, said, guys, it was great working with you. I'm never coming back to the Cleveland Browns. And I walked out the door and said goodbye to Ken Carmen and all those guys. And it's like, see you guys, see you guys later. 0-16, I'm done. And... Started January 9th and I walked in the door and back to your question about friends. I started on the same day Ruby Riot started. Okay. And we were like from AIW in Turner's Hall in Cleveland, Ohio. 
you know, and there we are starting together. So that was, that was cool for, for us. Now, I remember bumping into you briefly. I think it was when you were down for the tryout. Let's talk about this. Yeah. So I, you're wow, going to me of your recollection, AKA the truth, because my, my brain is clouded by. Hops what's your, what's, what's your story on this? The first time I recall meeting you was backstage at NXT. And I think Tom came up and just introduced you to me. You, you know, shook my hand, said hello. And you sat for a while, I think, with me and Cole backstage or, or while we were, Cole was producing. I think I was just hanging out. And I remember him asking, he goes, what do you think about that guy? And I was like, he seems nice. Uh, you didn't offend me. I didn't know you from Adam. I had no, no idea what you had done to get there. I was just like, oh, because we, we have announcers try out all the time when I was down at the performance center. People would pop in and you'd never see him again. So I was just like, oh, yeah, he seemed fine. And, and that's my recollection of that first time. So I'm sure you're going to shed some more light on this. Well, that's actually funny because I don't remember meeting you at the NXT taping that day. Oh, I remember really? meeting you in the performance center. So maybe we don't know the real story. I just remember going up saying hi and asking you for advice on how to work in the, in the booth and what to take away from the performance center. Knowing your story of working in the performance center, NXT, your transition right. to being an announcer. And I think you might have asked me who I was working with. And I told you, I, I, I don't know. I, I think they're bringing in somebody from the outside and I ended up being Percy Watson. And you just said, just get to know him, uh, go out, hang out with him, and everything will be fine. And whoop, off you went. And it wasn't until like months later, you were like, yeah, man, I didn't think anything of you. Like, I remember sitting in the car the first time when we did the drive and afterwards you're like, yeah, you aren't half bad. Cause to be honest, eh, I was like, yeah, he's a good kid, but eh, I mean, what, what do we want out of this? Grizzled old graves. The advice that I, I gave you, I, I'm sure I said that because that's about the most valuable advice I've given to anybody doing commentary. And I still don't look at myself as a, as somebody who should be asked for advice when it pertains to this, just because that's not the world I came from. I didn't aspire to it. I kind of, it was a happy accident when I mean, we all know my story, but that was the one thing that was most important when I was learning in NXT was with Tom and we, we had a, a rough night one night. And I said, you know what, dude, we're going to get beers. And we went and sat at the bar till two in the morning, just getting to know each other, not even talking about wrestling, just getting to know Tom. And he got to know Matt as people. And it was that, that like that bond is very, very difficult to fake. And I feel like in the, in a few instances, I'm jumping way ahead of myself that you and I have gotten to work together. The chemistry is it, it, we have a head start on it because we're friends outside of it. Obviously the reps in the booth and actually calling the shows you learn. Like I, I don't think anyone can touch Cole and I right now, because not only are we friends, we both know this business inside and out, but we've had enough time and reps. And I, you know, I, I learned from Michael Cole. So I kind of do things the Cole way, so to speak. Dude, you were hundred percent right because Percy and I started going out and then you add Nigel McGinnis to the mix and yeah. Cole came up to me and in Cole's way, you three are now driving together. It wasn't a reason why it wasn't a request. It was you three are driving together and that was it. And then you get in the car and you learn. Nigel's magic tricks. And then you talk to Percy about, you know, things that happened. He was in the car with who he was in the car with and then talking to me and then all three of us gel. So then when you sit at a booth, you have these jokes that I can just lean back and let these two guys go back and forth at each other, which even to NXT, I just met Wade Barrett for the first time. And then we went out and we did NXT 12 hours later. Right. And then after that, I said, well, what do you want to do? And he said, let's go get a few drinks and talk. So it's again, 
you learn in the car mm-hmm. or that, the that's bar. how you build <laughs> or at the bar. That's how you build these relationships. That's, that's why I know so much about the business. Cause I like to spend back time at the bar. <laughs> but I, I do want to say that when you, when you bring up, you're someone who shouldn't be asked advice. I don't agree with that because to me, you're one of the most knowledgeable guys in that TVL that if I have a question, I can go up and ask you. And if anyone comes in that's new and they have a question, oh, Graves is someone you, you want to pick his brain about things because you've done it all. Tom and I have never stepped foot in the ring. Right. You know, you can break down all sorts of, of different things. Plus, you look cool. I don't. Uh, <laughs> back to NXT, NXT TakeOver 30 when we were going over things. And, you know, Hunter goes, ah, Vic, you're not going to do the Metallica read. <laughs> That's going to go to Graves because he's cool. <laughs> if it's Justin Bieber or NSYNC, you got that one. But he's going to take Metallica. So uh, I, I, I've learned as much from you as Tommy Dreamer, as Ryan. I, I put you right up there. So I just want you to know that. Well, I appreciate that. But in, in your intro, you that I, a little oh, bit, a little bit. Okay. Bad lighting. Uh, In the intro, I believe I referred to you as the best wheelman in the business, which is where you and I really got drawn. Remind me how we even ended up in that situation the first time you drove. I remember we were on the West Coast. I want to say it was L.A. to Phoenix or it was it was a long haul. Yeah, it was something like L.A. or San Diego to Phoenix or Bakers. I don't remember what it was, but the ending destination was Phoenix and the starting destination was somewhere in California. And I think I started in January. I was told I was doing main event in May. So I think you and I started doing 205 in June. So I think the drive was because I had to go to the second day of television at the time, the Monday, Tuesday. Okay. And I didn't have a car. I would have been riding with Tom. Tom was with you and uh, Mike Mansuri. Okay. So it was, you're in the car. You're, you're going to drive with them. Now I flash back to the preview with Rhino, do the, do the right thing. Hey guys, I'll drive. Well, I know your first thing went in your mind was, yep, that's awesome. Cause this is five hours and you're going to kick back and relax. And Tom was fine. And Mansuri was like, great. So that was the, the first thing was that five hour car ride. And when I get behind the wheel, you're not going to take me from the wheel. I'm going to get us there and I'm going to get us there safe. And I'm going to get us there in the quickest possible way. Wink, wink. So uh, that, that was the first one. And, and that was what many. really broke the ice. I think that was when I went, okay, this, this guy's not bad. He's all right. For no other reason than you drove. However, when you start spending five hours at a time in these long haul overnight drives, eventually you get to know each other and the personality starts coming out. And I go, oh, this guy's actually really funny. I like having him around. What really won us all over though, and this is... Still, to this day, I think the one thing that you did that endeared yourself to all of us is the pre-drive preparations. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Everybody has something that they do on their trips, their drives. Everyone stops and, and loads up on snacks or they'll steal food from catering and take it with them on the road. I have never seen anybody put as much thought and effort into a car ride as one Vic Joseph. How did this come to be? Well, the car is your home. We talked about that about 15 okay. minutes ago. So what would I want in my refrigerator if I was going to go on a five-hour car ride? Uh, beef sticks. Essential. Olive trays. A cheese board. Uh, candies. So I look around and go, well, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and do this and see how they feel. And you guys would walk in the car and have, it would be like salami, cheese, crackers. Everyone had an individual you know, dish to have. And then you're like, whoa, whoa. 
feel like I just walked into a steakhouse here. You're looking around like, hey, guys, it's all for you. Have fun. But it got to the point where it became seasonal and festive. And there was (laughs) a particular Christmas ride where we had we got to the point where we ended up starting to rent minivans or the biggest possible vehicle we could because it was just more spacious. And it was you, me, Tom, Renee, Mike Mansuri, uh, Percy sometimes. Yeah. Quite the, the cavalcade of characters. But I remember getting into the back of the van and opening the sunglasses compartment, which had been stocked with, I believe, peppermints. And then in one of the, the side compartments, there were candy canes and there was all sorts of it. And there were Christmas lights. Vic, can we talk about the fact that you rigged up Christmas lights on the inside <laughs> of a Dodge minivan for a drive just to just to keep the crew occupied? Renee was down. She wasn't feeling good. She was homesick. It was holiday season. So look, man, I got some Christmas lights. I got them on the bottom of the floor. I put, uh, oh, don't forget, in the uh, compartment in the middle of the two seats was always Twizzlers. That's always true. A handful of Twizzlers out of it. There was your holiday candy above you, candy canes over here, meat trays down there, festival other boutiques around. I mean, I've decorated the car for you once with rose petals. Sure I mean, I've, I, I, I've gone all out. Uh, but that Christmas one was, that was really fun because we had another long drive uh, ahead of us. And if you have someone in the car that's down or not, you know, you don't want to always harp on, hey, what's wrong? What's wrong? And then it's a four hour somber ride. Right. Hey, I, lo- I love Christmas, Vic. That's all she had to say to me. And I go, okay, here's what we're doing. We're going to go get some Christmas lights. We're going to get some, some duck. We're going to get a little roast and we're going to have ourselves a great time. And we did. We sure did. We sure did. And that, unfortunately, is about uh, the extent that we can go into in-depth of our car rides as to not incriminate ourselves or anyone else involved. Um, But it is still, of all the things that the pandemic has cost us, and you and I had this conversation the other night, I miss the car rides. At the time, it was grueling. It was painful. It was like, oh, my God, are you serious? We have to do this drive again. But now that we don't have it. That was the best bonding quality time that I had in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. We used to get out of the shows and we get in the car and, oh, how long did you drive tonight? Oh, whatever. Put on music and sit there and we'd, you know, BS down the road. But I would do anything right now to go on a a Sunday, Monday, Monday, Tuesday drive. (laughs) Give me six hours a night. It might last for two weeks of us being happy about it, but just I, I I do miss it a lot. G3 Assistance through Virginia's Community Colleges is your pathway to a new future. Get a skill. Get a job. Get ahead. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3. Talk to me about your tenure on Monday Night Raw, because as you said earlier, this was a lifelong goal of yours. And I remember you intimating to me privately multiple times that that was your goal was someday... And it seemed as though Cole was going to call Raw forever. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the opportunity is yours. And it was uh, an experience I'll never forget, you know, to be able to put myself in a small group of Cole and, and the others that have called that show officially and to be sitting next to Jerry Lawler, who I guess you'd say was the voice of my childhood because I yeah. always watched, you know, you know, wrestling and to be able to pick his brain and get to know him and jump in a car with him for a few loops it it, to me looking back it was short but it's something that i'll never um speak ill on because 
not many people can say that they got to do Monday Night Raw. And the first Raw I did was with Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair, you know, calling him (laughs) to the ring. And I'm sitting there going, what is this? Yeah, this is, you know, unbelievable. And then Rey Mysterio is in uh, WWE Championship Stories. And I'm I'm calling a main event at, at Hell in a Cell. And now I'm doing Survivor Series. And I'm sitting next to you, actually, for Survivor Series and, and Nigel. And, you know, all these superstars of this generation, like, like Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. And it was so cool to look back on to be like, man, you know what? And I still have the photo. The first night I was actually, uh, Tamario took it. I'm looking up at the stage like, wow, this is this is the show I grew up watching. This is the pinnacle for me. And anything we we ran through earlier, World Series and NBA Finals and the Olympics and stuff, none of that compares to doing Monday Night Raw and none of that compares to calling a match at WrestleMania. Those two overtake everything I've ever done in, in my career. And the time was short, but looking back at it, it got me to learn more while I was gone. It got me to respect what I had more while I was gone and, and has led me to NXT on Wednesdays on the USA Network. You keep yourself busy with many things, including NXT UK, which I know uh, is very near and dear to you because it's very, you're very hands-on with that. Talk to me a little bit about what that's been like watching that grow because we're on the precipice of it returning. So I was there since day one in terms mm-hmm. of TV and you talk about like a, a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Everyone there is so unique. They just love to perform. And it's a different type of atmosphere. You've been to Europe and have performed in Spain and all over more than I ever have in terms of just being there in terms of wrestling. When you go over there, there's just like a, a, a real interesting feel from crowd. Yes. And from taking their shoes off for Zach Gibson, which I still don't understand, but waving the shoes around and, and the things they yell. And then when you get out of the show, they're all respectful. Hey, how are you? Thanks for coming. You know, we love the show. It's such a cool vibe and it's different. And maybe because I never really had anything like that in terms of the indies that I did were so small. Mm-hmm. You know, I never went to Japan. I never went to Europe. I never went really through Canada. I only had a small, you know, cluster. And the only thing that I do know is WWE is the American product. I, I didn't know how rabid of a fan base it was in Europe. I also don't understand styles when we go over to Japan and then I watch matches back from over there and the crowd's silent. I, I never knew any of that stuff. So yeah. the first time I went over there, they were just so into it. The locker room was so into it. They're so passionate. They're so respectful, back to use that word. And to be able as a fan to get there and walk up and have someone like Zaya Brookside or Trent Seven or, you know, the list goes on. Hey, this is, what would you think here? To ask my opinion was always cool. Because at the end of the day, like you said about asking for advice, I'm like, well, who the heck am I? Right. Why, why are you guys asking me? You got Triple H and Shawn Michaels standing right over there. Go talk yeah. to two of the greatest <laughs> of all time. But even to get to work with Triple H and Shawn Michaels, who were heroes of mine, to have them come up and go, hey, what do you think about this? Uh, yeah, cool. Maybe should we do this instead? Actually, that's a great idea. Like, whoa, that's kind of cool. You know, so I, I think it's just the whole body of what the brand is for me. It, it's, it's unless you're there, it's really hard to put your finger on, but it's such a, a cool vibe. And I'm so happy that it's coming back on the WWE Network uh, coming up here soon. And, and I'm really excited for for what they're going to bring back to our world. I know how excited you are to once again be the voice of NXT. 
What are you looking at differently this go round from past experiences? So my time on Monday Night Raw was really a learning experience of what to do, what not to do. And for me, when it came to Monday Night Raw, I almost feel sometimes that I was moving too fast. My brain was just going and going and going. And I wasn't taking the moments as they came because the moments in the ring really are what separate the cool moments from the great moments. And it's how we word them and how we bring them to life. And that's something I really learned over the last four or five months was we don't need to talk right there because let that moment speak for itself. Just feel it. You know, just, and, and I didn't have that feeling as much as, as much as guys in grill were feel it, feel it. I, I just, I just wasn't because I was just thinking so much about what's coming up in seg 16. Oh, we're only on seg one. Yeah. You know, in my own mind, like it's three hours from now, Vic. So when it comes to NXT now, I take it segment by segment, not to break it down too technical for the people that are listening, you know, out there and to work with, you know, Wade Barrett now. And because of the pandemic that we're in, to have to work with somebody who's not there. Physically. And Beth Phoenix, right. who's physically right. in another state, not even in the building. It's, it's definitely a learning curve, but it's also don't get frustrated. Understand it's going to get done segment by segment and enjoy it. Because these last really 2020 up until now, I think us, even in the world, everything's been, how am I going to get to next week? How am I going to get to tomorrow? Enjoy what we have. Talk about the car rides. We didn't enjoy them as much as we would now. And so I really enjoy NXT. I'm working with a lot of people that I came up in the indies with, to your point, Gargano, Champa, Adam Cole, Mia Yim. You know, the list continues to go on. Guys I have a new respect for. Like Finn Balor, I never really got to work with before. I respected him, but now getting to know him, Timothy Thatcher, who I didn't really know much of before, the Imperium guys, Oni Lorcan, Danny Birch. I mean, just the list goes on. And again, getting to work with Triple H and getting to work with Shawn Michaels. And it's for me, it feels like home in a way because I started in NXT and I went through the Performance Center and so on and so forth. And to come back, it's, I don't want to say it's like a second chance, but to me, it kind of is. And I'm so excited, man. Every single Wednesday, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Well, I'm excited for you, man. It was, a, it was a blast getting the call TakeOver 30 with you. I mean, find out last minute that, you know, changes need to be made. And we made the, we made the best of it. And I had a blast. But to your point about coming home, there's something about that vibe, that NXT. We are NXT. It's more than just a catchphrase. It's not just something that looks cool on a T-shirt. There's a certain amount of pride that, that emanates from everybody who's been through it and to be able to step back and, and be there sitting at the desk with you and Beth 2000 miles away, yeah. uh, which to your point, can, can we talk, we can talk about this, how weird it was actually calling takeover because we're doing it remotely. So Beth is well, about a half a second delay for mm-hmm. the, the feed to get sent to, to North Carolina where she's at and then comes back to us, but we're calling it live, but the action is happening inside the ring and then about a second and a half later, it pops up on our monitors. That to me, as long as I've been doing commentary, was the most confusing, difficult thing to get used to. And you, you got me through it. You handled it with ease like a pro, man. So I appreciate you making me not look like a fool. But yes, yeah, to, to your point, man, having Beth not there to, to give a hand signal to, because people don't realize what goes on behind the desk. We have that hood on the, on the desk for a reason. So we can chat with each other and signal each other. 
And it was like, oh, wait, she's not here. It's like talking to a voice inside my head. Um, so it was, it was a blast. And uh, thank you for, uh, for getting me through that. It was, it was cool to be part of. Oh, well, thank you for being part of it. And you got me through a lot of that night as well. And credit to Beth, too, for putting up with us because yeah. she can't see. She doesn't know where we're going. She right. doesn't know that I'm signaling you to talk or I'm asking you a question because I'm physically looking at you. And she's sitting just staring at a monitor going, are you guys talking to me? Yeah, I guess I'll talk. Oh, oh, no, no. Back off it. So she's been uh, she's been a pro and it's been a pleasure to work with her really over the last year. And um, I, I'm really excited about the team of myself. And think about this, dude. I got Wade Barrett, five-time Intercontinental Champion, been through it all, main events, has competed against Cena, Orton, the list goes on. And then I got a WWE Hall of Famer and Beth Phoenix mm-hmm. sitting to my left. I mean, for me, selfishly, I'm sitting there going, well, if, if I can't do this now, it's kind of like, well, thanks for coming. I appreciate <laughs> the last few years. I'm out. You know, so I'm, I'm really excited. Cool, man. Well, I can't wait to see how you guys develop as a team. I will be paying close attention, and I'm sure uh, one of these weeks I'll, I'll bug Hunter again, and he'll let me uh, he'll let me call another NXT with you from time to time. Come on down, hang out, and then we can take that 20 minute drive, listening to some Yellow Card, and having a Starbucks you know, on the morning and a Starbucks at night will be great. Well, that was fun. I'm sure this conversation will continue via text message, uh, basically nonstop for the rest of our careers. But I want to thank Vic one more time for stopping by and hanging out for a little while. Before I part, I'm going to throw a little zen your way. This is from the one and only Nietzsche. And those who were seen dancing were thought to be insane by those who could not hear the music. Follow out after the bell, WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Send us your thoughts using the hashtag after the bell. I say this every week. If you're using Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Throw us five stars. It helps spread the word. If you're using an Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or Google Podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can follow me at WWE Graves. I'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. G3 Assistance through Virginia's Community Colleges is your pathway to a new future. Helping those who qualify pay for school and train for the right career. Right where you are, right now. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3.